Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Of our announcements, I know you're still eating your dessert, but that was a great lunch. How about if we thank the Country Kitchen? The other thing that I think needs to be recognized is that they always do some special meals for people who have dietary issues, and they do it very well. And uh, I know some people take, take home their supper, too, as a result of what they've had for lunch. So um, just a reminder about next week, uh, what's happening. i put my glasses on so I can see. Um, Leftbridge Strategic Plan, what are the costs and benefits of growth? And our mayor, Chris Spearman, will be here to do that. And, uh, and so that should be very interesting. So there, sh- there should be announcements on the pages on your table. If not, uh, ask for more or get it online. Uh, okay, now we're going to... Uh, we've got a number of people who don't come regularly. So, you, so just to remind you of the process for the question period... Mike's over there on my right, you're, some of yours left. Uh, we ask that you give your name, ask a question briefly, no pontificating, and, um, and, and then you can go and sit down, uh, and Lois will answer your question. And, uh, and there's no questions from the floor. Uh, and we, have, we will have half an hour. And so I hope you got lots of questions. I, I, as I said, uh, she's had so many experiences. It's really great. It was great to talk with her at the table. So I'll ask Dr. Lois Wilson to come back on, forward and, and talk about the Senate, answer questions about the Senate or her other activities, and remind you about the book. Okay. Who's moderating? Are you moderating? My- that's fine. Okay. Yeah, my name is Henning Mundel. I have one tiny quick question followed by a more substantial one. The tiny quick question is 1981. I'm pretty sure that I've attended a function here in Lethbridge at which you spoke, and I'm trying to think, was it 10 Days for World Development, which I was very much involved with? Uh, was it through the university? I'm not sure. Was it SACPA? You think I remember? Well, I don't, but I was wondering if you did. I, I was moderator of the United Church in those years. Yes, I, I know. And I came to Lethbridge. I have no idea of my We itinerary. We could have invited you as through the world... Uh, um, uh, no? Sorry? No, no, no. The, the Lethbridge World Citizen Center. Because I, I have no idea, but the function of the moderator is to I, visit and strengthen the church. So that's yes. what I was trying to do. Yeah, so it could have been 10 days for world development. Could have been. Yeah. That aside, now I'm going to ask you to look in your crisp blue ball, ma'am. From, of course, your experience with the Senate and you're looking at what, where we're at now. Today's newspaper, I don't know if you saw the Lethbridge Herald, had a, had a picture of Mike Duffy and, and the bus on top and, and election 2015 and why did we choose to throw him under the bus? Okay, my question, do you think that that is what's happening now and is coming to trial next year will 
help to greatly reduce the Harper government, conservative government strength in Parliament? I mean, only time will tell. <laughs> and uh, citizens have a short memory, unfortunately. I think that, I don't know whether that will happen. I think the general thing is just the general denigration of the whole democratic process. So people say, to hell with that, I'm not even going to vote anymore because they're all a bunch of crooks. Um, and I think that's the more damaging thing. But as far as how it uh, comes out in the election, I have no idea. Wait and see. <laughs> Hi, uh, my name is Pat Greenlee, and I'm really curious as to why you think it's not a good idea to have independent senators, why you think that that four independent senators was a was a good number. I, I, I can't quite understand mm-hmm. why it wouldn't be good to have all independent senators. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know whether I did. I say four independent senators. Yeah. Well, that, that's that's crazy. If I said it, I, I take it all back. That kind of stuck in my mind, but maybe that's maybe no. I made that up. What, what my criticism of it is that um, there's no accountability to anybody then, and it is a political it, it is a political institution, and it needs partisan people who are that is who will be liberals, conservatives, or NDP but who can then act in an... Ind- they can take an independent judgment. Difference between partisan and independent. But I think, I think to be part of the political system, we do have these parties. And, but how to get the party to, be, to think independently in the Senate? I'm convinced there are such people. You know, you can be a good conservative, a good liberal, and still be an independent thinker. That's hope. <laughs> well, I know you can. And that's what's needed, I think. I think a healthy, uh, a healthy dose of independence, such as I did, with no political affiliation, are also helpful. And that's what the, um, the UK system has provided for, that people who have no strong political affiliation but uh, have done some things for the country and have a care for the whole country can make some comments. But for everybody to be that, I, I really don't think, uh, I don't think that Parliament would accept it in the first place. I don't know how you'd get it through Parliament, uh, because it's a political it's a political animal. So there's some way that um, the trick is how to be partisan, but independent man and independent mind. And I'm convinced there are people. Like, of course there are. What bothers me is when they when the people in a party just vote for the whatever the party is, like trained seals. And, and I must say, I once asked the Liberals in the Senate, why are you all doing that when I know you're against it? <laughs> and they said, well, um, if I didn't vote that way, I wouldn't get to go on trips and I wouldn't get to be a head of a committee. I couldn't believe it. These are adults. <laughs> you know, I couldn't believe it was that be that shallow. But they, what they meant, I guess, is I've got to keep in good with, the, with, the, with my fellows. Whereas I felt no obligation to feel good with my fellows. <laughs> So I'm sorry if I said that, but that, that's, I don't know if that clarifies it, but that's what I meant. Hi, uh, Clint Dunford's my name. Uh, I'm quite impressed with, your, um, with the option of the rotation of selecting <laughs> senators, but, um, and I hadn't thought about it much before, but I will from now on. But um, the immediate thing that comes to mind is, uh, 
I wondered then if we would have to take off the age limit but put a term limit uh, because you wouldn't want all of the vacancies to be, you know, during the year that the prime minister yep. has it. I mean, if there, there would have to be some way yep. to fill vacancies, I guess, uh, on some sort of equitable three-year cycle. But I do like the three-year cycle. Well, I think you're quite right. The term, the term has to be looked at. And I think there is fairly un unanimity around, more unanimity around that than anything. But again, there has to be a balance between continuity, so historical memory is preserved, and newness, so that um, it isn't a you know it isn't a fixed entity. There has to be some flexibility there. But I quite agree. The term is really important. Some people, you know, they've been there for thirty-five years and they should have gone after five years. <laughs> but others have been there for forty years and they'll be sadly missed. Mm -hmm. So it's very difficult to. Um, I mean, I thought when I reached 75, I'm quite with it still, and I was really mad that I had to retire. <laughs> but that was a fixed entity after that guy went to Mexico for the winter, and they felt they had to do something. So, you know, we, I guess there are rules, and they, we simply have to, they catch some people and don't carry out what they were intended to do. Uh, thank you very much, first of all, for your presentation. I really enjoyed it. I'm Maria Fitzpatrick. Uh, and my question to you is, you mentioned proportional representation. How do we get to that? <laughs> we worked like mad. <laughs> we, 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 first of all, we try, we try to understand it, which I'm still trying to do, and then we help other people to try to understand it. I don't know if there's any movement out here. There's certainly in Toronto where I live, there is. We have regular meetings, call it Fair Vote. Mm -hmm. And we look at the experience in other countries, and it's not all the same. And I think if we get to proportional representation, uh, it will have to be a Canadian model. Mm -hmm. But it's a, it's, a, it's a voting system that allows for minorities to, to be elected. Now, the criticism is that it frequently leads to minority governments, which I happen to think is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because with a minority government, you have to negotiate. Mm -hmm. And if there's anything I learned in Ottawa, is that politics is the art of negotiation. And compromise. I mean, you don't always get what you want or you think. But um, so I, I'm. I think proportional representation is something that we really need to look at. And I gather it's a mix of some are elected from a party, some are elected from a list, and some are elected from minority groups. Mm -hmm. But I encourage you to look into it because it's um, it's certainly an option and it works in other countries. Okay, I have a, a second question. Uh, you talked about. Uh, in the Senate when you're, uh, the Liberal Senators kept doing this. Uh, when people are appointed to uh, positions in the Senate, uh, how, again, how do we get people to be adults? How are the, do the rules not kind of uh, encourage them to do that? How do we get people to be adults? <laughs> are, you a, are you a mother? <laughs> Well, the rules are there. The rules of debate are there, and, and they're quite good. There is a procedure. That's the first thing I had to learn, and they said it's like a church service. You have to know where the offering comes and when the sermon comes. <laughs> it's the same thing in the Senate. You have to know the procedures. And if you know the procedures, it's the people who know the procedures get the legislation through. It's the people who just give speeches and don't know the procedures that wonder whatever happened. But I don't know how you grow adults. Uh, I'm Trevor Page. My question deals with a reform to our governance system. 
I hear what you say about the need to reform the House of Commons along with the Senate as a unit. What concerns me is uh, politics seems to be becoming a career. Uh, the remuneration is good. Um, and we've got a whole lot of young people straight out of university deciding to go into politics for that reason. And I wonder, not certainly looking, asking you to look into your crystal ball because I don't believe in crystal balls. But can you see a way that we can get back to politics by conviction as opposed to politics as a career? I think the only way is by modeling it, by some people modeling it. You know, I think we're past words. <clears throat> so if we can look at somebody and say, that's what I mean, like that person is exhibiting what we're meaning, and we need more like that. <clears throat> but I quite agree with you. It's... Uh, <clears throat> It's becoming it's becoming a, a nice career, and once you're in, then people don't pay much attention to it, so you can stay in it. Absolutely, and it's becoming yeah. a worldwide phenomenon. It's not just Canada. Yeah, yeah. On the other hand, you know, I was asked to run for for the House of Commons, and I said no, uh, partly because uh, I, I can't. I mean, the advertorial system is not in my nature, to be honest. I mean, it's set up on the advert, which I think some women find difficulty with, and uh, then I discovered that. <laughs> These two big guys were interviewing me and said, why do you want to run? And I said, well, it wasn't my idea. Somebody, somebody suggested I might run. And I said, besides, what if I'm not in your party even? That doesn't matter. They said, you'd win. And then I thought, oh, my goodness. So they'd just take me because they knew I would win, not because of what I thought about anything. So it's becoming, it's becoming a popularity show. And, and uh, if you can get your name up front and whoever makes the most noise, that's very sad. So I think the whole... The whole thing that Canadians have to do is restore credibility to the political process. And one of the ways we do that is by nominating competent people who will have the interest of the country at heart and then supporting them. But it's not easily done. But if we don't, we're going to have more of the same. Uh, Terry Shellington, thank you very much, Lois, for being here, for making time in your schedule for us, and for your presentation. Um, I'm just reflecting about what I hear as a contradiction in your in your uh, remarks. Uh, uh, you defend the party system in the Senate, which I can understand. Um, um, however, you you remarked that uh, there's not much independent thinking because all the perks uh, go to those who toe the party line. Mm -hmm. And I'm so. Then the question is, how would you? How would you structure uh, the Senate so that there were perks for those who didn't toe the party line? Who would who would determine the trips and the chairs? And uh, have you thought about how the Senate might operate so that independent thinkers aren't punished? Well, we, we, we faced that because when I arrived as an independent, they had to take account of me. And at that point, no independents were allowed to be even sitting on committees. And I said, but I'm a full senator, and you're going to have to change the rules for me. <laughs> and so they adjusted it. And uh, um, they're so used to just carrying on. With the, with, and it's only the two parties, liberal and conservative, so that for somebody else to come in, they just, just wouldn't accommodate independence at first. But then we began to grow in numbers. I mean, 
You'd be surprised that people came over to me and said, what do you do to get to be an independent? And I said, what you do is you say, I am an independent. <laughs> that was beyond their comprehension. But, you know, they began to be a critical mass, and that's when they had to take account of us. So, um, I mean, the reason I'm defending the party system, I'm not defending it so much as recognizing that it is a reality. And how you change that culture, that's why I say a number of independents would be necessary to, to always be the spur, be the burr on the side of the people who, we've always done it this way. Have you heard that before? <laughs> you know, so, um, but they did make accommodations for independents eventually. And then, they, and then when they saw me being sent around the world by the foreign minister, they couldn't figure that out because you weren't a loyal party member. And in their view, that was a perk. I think they thought I just went to drink coffee over there or something. <laughs> so I don't know. No, it's not to defend it, but to say that's the reality that we face. As independents come in, they, they did make some room for us. They weren't even going to allow uh, the establishment of a, of a human rights committee because they said we've got enough committees, and, and, but we pursued it. And so I gathered a group of people, and if I'd been there for, four more, for a few more years, I think we would have had a joint Commons and Senate Human Rights Committee, which would have been very strong. But, I, but it takes, you know, four years to do anything, <laughs> and uh, I had to leave. Uh, thanks very much, Lois, for, uh, for your presentation. My name is John Warren. Uh, I'm interested in the procedure of the Senate. Is it possible for um, the Senate to initiate yes. bills? Yes. And if so, uh, once the bill is passed in the Senate, does it go to the Commons for uh, ratification? Yes, yes to both. It's very seldom done, but sometimes it is. And uh, the Senate can initiate legislation. Because um, it's very seldom done, because it, it, it wants to be powerful enough to check the government, but not powerful enough to be the government, because it's not elected. So it's a fine balance. But there have been some initiations, yes. Yep. Oh, I can't tell you. Uh, my name is Henry Heinen, and my question, ma'am, concerns changing the culture of people making a career out of it. Now, the latest premier in the province has come forth and said, for the premier, it's two four-year terms. For any member of the Legislative Assembly, it's three terms, which would, in fact, be 12 years, and that's it. You have to get out. What do you think of that? I'm not quite sure of the question. That it's, it's the I want to know your reaction to, 12 to term years. limits. Oh, yeah. For, for the premier. Oh, okay. So Prentice is the new premier in Alberta. Yeah, I think there should be term limits. Uh, I mean, I guess I learned this from my experience in the church. Um, the United Church does not have bishops, and bishops are there for life in other denominations. Except in Latin America, the Methodist Church has bishops elected for four years, renewable for another four years. But they could be let go. You can get rid of them after four years. But they can go another one, and I think that's the way to go. Like a term which has, is reviewed in the middle, which means that you can get rid of them, but a long enough term so they can do something. I mean, four years I found even very short. So you need it long enough. But, um, and some of them you may need even longer than that, I'm convinced. I mean, a person like Lowell Murray, for example, a conservative, just gives splendid leadership in the Senate. And he had a long history there, but he was constantly then able to remind us of things. Same with Michael Pitfield or Michael Kirby for the Liberals. 
And these people we depended upon because we were all kind of newbies. So uh, I, don't, I don't know, I'm not smart enough to figure out how to do it because I don't think it should be a rigid thing because if it's rigid, then you lose some really good people. My name is uh, Cheryl Bradley, and I appreciate your passion and your conviction, and which you probably brought to your role as senator, and I'm sure we were well-served as Canadians by that. Um, I'd like your views on um, composition of the Senate. You had, ex you had expressed some dissatisfaction with representation across the country, uh, both geographically and in terms of minorities or special interests. So have you done some thinking about that? And if so, what are your thoughts? Well, um, I, I mean, I know how Westerners feel because I am a Winnipegger. <laughs> and so they, Winnipeg considers itself part of the West. And, uh, you know, the whole tension with the East, which, has, which was the power base. And um, I don't know how that's ever going to be addressed. I really don't. In terms of minorities, the Senate is the only government institution that really specifically says this is to include minority interests. That's what it's for, both in terms of regions. So, you know, senators from Alberta will represent that region. Me from Ontario represented Ontario interests. And, um, and then, as I said, we had, we had a, a number of Aboriginal people from the Arctic. We had, uh, well, we had Tommy Banks as a jazz musician. You know, we had wide variety, and for me, it expanded my horizons of meeting people in so many different kind of jobs and professions that, that could make a rich contribution and could bring a particular point of view. And uh, I hope that's one of the reasons for me saying that I think the Senate should be preserved because that's very important when you come to legislation to look at the uh, at the particular interests, not just regionally, but the the women the woman thing. Uh, that's a toughie. <laughs> You know, we keep poking away at it. But I was saying when the, when the uh, celebration of the Famous Five came, remember in 1929, um, women were uh, allowed to sit in the Senate for the first time. The women, we were recognized as persons. Before that in Canada, we were non-persons. And when it came to the celebration, of course, the female senators, we were the, had pride of place, so we marched in first. And the female women in the, in the uh, commons were furious at us. What are you doing? We said, well, don't you know your history? I mean, the history is that it was for female senators, the 1929 watershed. So um, everybody says, why don't more women run? Well, my goodness, I mean, there's the adversarial thing. There's the, what, who looks after the kids? I mean, and, and the divorce rate is pretty high. Uh, if you have to commute from Vancouver every week, um, how, do, how do you hold a marriage together? I mean, there are a lot of uh, considerations there that uh, some women are not willing to pay that price, and it is a price. Uh, my name is Bev Trainer, and I think my question is uh, very much like the last speaker's. I believe I heard you say that uh, the West, so to speak, has 24 senators. Uh, my question is, again, you've addressed some of that in just what you were saying. How do we get those numbers to be numbers from Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and British Columbia, or rather than the West? 
because that seems to me crucially important in going forward with, with what's going on in the Senate. Well, it was not set up, it's not meaning representation by population. It's representation by region and by interest. And certainly the Western point of view, I think, is a definable point of view as opposed to the East. But PEI, for example, have four senators, which seems a huge amount for the number of people they have, but they will not give that up. And in the discussion, when Harper took the, that question to the Supreme Court, uh, PEI said, we will in no way agree to a change, because they want to protect their interests. So, I mean, you're stuck with these provinces, and the only way to change it is seven, um, uh, seven of the provinces have to agree, or 50% of the population. Now, that may happen if the leaders would prepare us for that, but they're not doing that. Even then, I think it's pretty unlikely. So we got a kind of a disjointed system, but that's just our country, so we stagger along. My name is Ralph Hemsel, and I wonder if we need the Senate in the federal government, why don't we need Senates in any of the provincial governments? Mm. Don't know, I never thought of that. Uh, um, You've got the opposition in federal, in uh, provincial politics. I, I, I don't know, I really can't answer that one. Um, I know that some, some provinces in other countries do have it, and that would be worth uh, exploring, but I'm, I'm really not in a position because I haven't, haven't looked at that, sorry. Go ahead. I'll ask a question while you're coming. Uh, you had commented, uh, Lois, at our table that uh, sometimes the representatives from the conservatives or the liberals would be lobbying you and trying to put pressure on. Can you say more about that? Yeah, I sat as an independent, and it was well known. But then I started receiving calls at my office from both the liberals and conservatives. Would I vote this way? Would I vote that way? And finally I got so fed up, and I said, like, I'm an independent. Would you please stop lobbying me? And so they were very partisan. They told me, oh, no, no, the Senate, there's no, there's no partisanship there. It's very open, nothing of the sort. They're, they were entrenched. <laughs> they were entrenched. And um, so I had to get rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> so you can be assertive when you need to be. Well, yes. <laughs> Just say what you think. It's easier than trying to remember what you said. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for your presentation. My name's Carol Sakia. I guess I've been, uh, I'd like to abolish the Senate period. Um, you gave me some information today, though, that makes me think, oh, maybe there, there has been a place for it. But when I think about um, um, the thoughtful-minded people that are going to be required in this country for uh, political change to happen, I'm defeated. And so I wonder if you think complete abolishment of the Senate is easier to make happen than waiting for thoughtful people to do the right thing and uh, we truly have a country we can be proud of. I couldn't get the second part just so close yeah. to the mic. Yeah. Yeah. And I heard behind me get closer, so I went and got closer. Is it easier to abolish the Senate or to try to change it? 
Yeah. Is it simpler to abolish than to try and do this? Oh, is it easier to abolish or to change it? Yeah. The answer is no. I mean, to abolish it requires the consent of seven provinces and 50% of the population. Or, that's what Alberta and Saskatchewan think, the rest of the provinces think it's got to be unanimous. Yeah. Now, how are you going to get unanimous consent? Uh, don't ask me. So that's very difficult. So I mean, so we got it, and my thought is let's let's change it. Let's look at the options for change. So even a plebiscite, uh, even a federal plebiscite to abolish it. That's I don't not think a plebiscite would. I don't think they would. It wouldn't be allowed. I mean, they would say there has to be unanimous consent on a plebiscite. Okay. And it's part of the constitutional history of why we are a country, and that's why they're saying that. So Canadians really need to think about what the Senate is intended to do and make it do it. Good afternoon. My name is Everett Thomas, and I'd like to compliment you on your speech and very interesting uh, comments. I'd also like to make a uh, compliment to the women that have served in the Senate, especially our own Joyce Fairburn, who looked like a liberal because she was dressed in red, yeah. <laughs> but me mentally she worked for the common good, yeah. and anybody that would ask her a question or do something, it got done. Yeah. Uh, another comment I want to make is the selection by the Prime Minister, the opposition leader, and the Governor General for senators that would balance the uh, power out a little bit because it is partisan and you know there's always a lot of fighting, not fighting, but disagreement and, and self of interest, sometimes self of interest because not everybody can work for the common good. Thank you. So, he has no questions. No, well, I, I applaud Joyce Fairburn. I mean, I knew her before, I knew her through the church before, I never knew her in the Senate. But, um, funny story, I, I used to wear, I had a red jacket and a blue jacket. <laughs> According to the jacket, I only thought, oh, she's going to vote this way. But no, no, she voted the other way. So I kept to get them guessing. But Joyce, Joyce is exactly what I think. I mean, she was partisan, but she was independent. And there's a difference. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, I think he was also commenting on uh, on the fact that it's not a uh, fair representation and that the, the, new, the recent uh, appointees and so on are not well, representing different groups, and they could be. The well, and it's also fairly Anglo-Saxony. Yes, yes. I mean, I think we had one, two black people, two people of color, and one Korean and one Chinese. I mean, but like one of each, sort of. Mm -hmm. So it does not represent the rich mosaic and multiculturalism of Canada. And that's to do with power structures, and that's with to do who's got the influence. So rather than East West, look at the look at the influence that, that this group, for example, would have, the Anglo-Saxon majority, and that's what tends to be there still. I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. um, so so the prime ministers appoint a, a token person from that community, and everybody applauds. Isn't that wonderful? But it in no way reflects the needs of that community to to exert its. Uh, its wishes. 
Well, you've given us lots to think about, Lois, and actually you've tossed the responsibility back to us because it's really our responsibility to put pressure on to make sure some of these systems are, are fair, more fair and, and more representative. And so we have to work at what we can do here. It's not somebody else's us. Well, and also be in touch with the... Like, when I went into there, the church kind of thought I deserted it, and so I never heard from anybody ever again. They thought, oh, she's become a politician. She's gone. Oh, that was nonsense. You know, and so I really appreciate it if somebody would phone me. It's free phone, you know, free phone to the Commons, free phone to the Senate. You should know that. Pick up the phone and, and have a conversation with them and call them to some accountability. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that doesn't often happen. The other thing is, um, Flora MacDonald once said to me, she said, you know, when I was foreign minister, all I got was criticisms. Nobody ever phoned me to say, that was a great thing you did. Nobody ever phoned me to say, why don't you try this? So I just pass that on to you, because these are human beings, and, and uh, they need support, they need criticism, but they also need a little, a little hoist, a little, did you ever think of this idea? So, um, yes, thank you for that. I am trying to get it back mm-hmm. to you, that's mm-hmm. what it's about. Well, thank you very much, and let's show our appreciation. Thank you.